the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after 4 and you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Had a pretty nice day, did we not? With some sunshine. Certainly uh, different than yesterday. 52 the high today. Eventually, we're dropping to 34 tonight with cloudy skies. Staying kind of cloudy for the next few days, really. 46 the high tomorrow. 44 on Saturday with some rain kicking in later in the day and overnight into Sunday, although Sunday's supposed to be a lot warmer. 58 the high for Sunday. Flyers are at Montreal tonight, 7.30. Sixers home against Miami, 7 o'clock. And uh, as we get into the program here, as usual, we'll have a gift card or two to hand out for Dunkin' Donuts or Wawa, your choice. Something to pick up the cost of a few coffees for you, maybe some donuts or a hoagie or something. Just a little uh, thank you for listening, courtesy of Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown. If you want to get yourself in the running for that from now, you can text yourself in to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-DOVE. And all I need is your first and last name, because I'd like to know people more than just Jane or Mike. It's nice to know it's Mike Johnson or Jane McGillicuddy, whatever it is. So please put both. And what town you're from. Don't need your address. Uh, only if you win, and then we'll need your address. All right? But we want to make it simple to enter. So first and last name, where you're from. And if you have a pre- uh, pref- uh, preference, DD or WW, or if it's either one, just you know, put them both. And uh, once you enter, you're always in the hat. So you only have to do it one time. And we draw winners pretty much every day or you know throughout the week and Sometimes we take phone calls. Sometimes it takes to go off the text line, whatever it might be. So get yourself in the running for that and maybe have a nice little prize coming your way. Again, the number is 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Speaking of prizes, congratulations to Carmel in Philadelphia. I like that name. And Mary Beth in Nakunji. Both of them won a book with us in our uh, partnership with uh, Greg Laurie and A New Beginning. They're our Ministry of the Month for February, and uh, he has a book that he's put out that uh, we're giving away every single weekday. So if you get a chance, get in the running for that too at WFIL.com. name of that book, Simply Jesus Revolution. We're also giving away weekly prize bundles with our Ministry of the Month, so you might even win that too. A lot of winning going on. Stop by WFIL.com when you get a second and get yourself in the mix. Lori from Philly was our most recent weekly prize bundle winner. So it's happening all the time. Get in the mix when you can. Uh, I've been working on a phone interview with um, our next guest here. Sarah Williams is her name, and we're, part of it is the time difference because she's in the UK, and part of it has to do with just busy schedules. Um, so we are glad to be able to finally bring her into the mix. Hello, Sarah. Hello there. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, we have. Uh, uh, we just actually came out of the month uh, January, being Sanctity of Human Month. Uh, Life Month, and your book came on my desk, and I really wanted to have you on. Uh, whether 
it's in January or whether now we're in February, it's still a message worth sharing. You were expecting a baby and found out along the way that your child would not likely survive. I just thought I'd start with that and let you tell a bit of the story. Yeah, it was our third pregnancy. We had two little girls already. And um, I went to the hospital for my regular 20-week scan. Everybody in Britain is scanned at 20 weeks. And I was completely unprepared for what was happening. I was thinking about getting home as quickly as I could to make the tea. And the nurse put her hand on my arm and said, there's something wrong with the baby. Um, within an hour, we were talking about scheduling a termination after uh, the doctor had talked us through what was wrong with the baby. Okay. So it was a terribly huge shock and uh, one yeah. that was hard to absorb at the time. Um, and Paul and I, my husband and I, uh, had to think long and hard about the decision about whether to terminate the pregnancy if the medical advice uh, was um, to some extent pressurizing us uh, or whether to carry our baby to term without very much hope at all that she would live either through birth or, or, or after birth. Yeah, And what was her main uh, challenge that they were telling yes. you about? Yes. Sorry, her name is Kerrion. Kerrion. gave her a name. Yes, we gave her the name, and it's a Welsh name, and it means love. And uh, that was one of the very first things we did after we made the decision to carry her to term. We needed a name so that she moved from being an idea um, and a fetus into being an actual member of our family and a, a person that we could celebrate on a daily basis for the time that we had with her. What went through your mind uh, initially about what to do? I'm thinking there must have been a lot of questions, and what about this, what about that? And did it take long to settle in to the decision because you did keep carrying a, to term? Yes. Yes, I, I grew up in a Christian family, always um, with this awareness of the kind of, in quotation marks, right answer to the question about abortion. and. It had never been a question which had immediately impacted my own life. And so that night when we received this news and we knew we had to go back to the hospital and tell them about our decision, I was deeply shocked that in the crisis of the moment, in the horrendous shock, um, a kind of distancing mechanism kicked in. And the really first instinctive response I had was just to get this terrible situation over with. I just wanted to get the fetus out of my body as fast as possible and then think about the consequences afterwards. And that that shocked me Hmm. because the ethical principle in the moment of extremity on its own wasn't enough to carry me through the pain of that news and the struggle of the decision. And the turning point came for us when Paul and I, in our desperation, sat down on our green sofa in our little house in Oxford and we we prayed and we cried out to God really in desperation and not knowing what to do. And we had an extraordinary and very immediate, tangible sense of God's presence with us. And in those moments of prayer, it was like the whole question was reframed. Mm as though God was saying to us, here's a sick and dying child, will you love her for me? And 
it changed the way I was thinking entirely. So it wasn't about a principle or even a medical solution to a problem, but it was about God's love for the weak and the vulnerable. And it wasn't so much about my strengths in making a decision, but about his strengths of love for this tiny little baby. And that experience for Paul and I changed the pregnancy entirely in the next 16 weeks that were very difficult that we carried Kerian because they were about watching and imitating God in his profound love for a human being who didn't even under the law have any human rights. Sarah C. Williams is our guest. She's a author of the book Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrion. We need to take a break. We'll do that and come back and continue our conversation right in just a moment here on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 413 AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. We continue to go across the ocean to the UK. Sarah Williams is our guest, author of the book Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrion. And you, you said it very well. I believe in the book there was a point where the doctor had asked if he wanted to have the baby and not an abortion on strong religious grounds, to which you said this is not about a principle, it's a person. What a way to phrase it, I mean, because it's true. And uh, it sounds like also through prayer, that's really a, a huge part of how you came to the decision that, that was needed, a very necessary part of the decision. Yeah, very much so. I find it hard to imagine how um, incredibly difficult it would be to face that decision without knowing what it is to be loved by God. That would be a terribly hard thing. And I think I would never want to judge uh, a woman in that situation because it's incredibly difficult to know what the right thing to do is. Because, of course, you're always afraid that you might bring suffering on your own child by allowing them to live. And all these thoughts run through your head, and it's incredibly difficult to know what is the right thing to do, what's the right thing to do for your, for yourself, but also for your own family, and if you have other children, what's the right thing to do for them? Those are really difficult, really, really difficult questions to navigate. And we were so grateful that we didn't rush the decision. I think more than anything else, I was glad that I didn't allow myself to be rushed because I needed time just to reorientate in the midst of the crisis. And also, I was so grateful for community and, and friends and folk from our immediate community who really supported us through that, that very difficult time. So I think, you know, for, for women who face this experience, not just women, but whole families, we, we need to move towards them with, with great compassion, I think. It's easier said than done, uh, even though, like you said, I, I believe that, you know, m many people would say to want to keep the baby. Uh, and, and it's just in the it's, I appreciate your honesty saying, you know, it, at my initial reaction was what it was. I, I just wanted to not have this this child inside me anymore if it's not going to work out and to have to take that time to work through it. 
is just being honest. And uh, like the psalmist was honest and had a lot of prayers where he was crying out to God for help and in times that he was in a dark place or unsure of what was going on around him with enemies swirling around him. Uh, what, what did the process of finding out about Carrion's deformity uh, and deciding to carry it a term instead of aborting her in the end, what did that do in you uh, as opposed to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, how did that change you? Yes. Do you know what? It's the most extraordinary thing, but it completely turned my life upside down. I was teaching at the University of Oxford at the time I discovered this, and in many ways my life was full and my, um, I'd achieved the things I wanted to achieve in my life. And it was the experience of encountering another human being's intense vulnerability and weakness. And what it was like to love somebody who needed me and who was dependent on me that turned my value system upside down. And I realized during those 16 weeks and in Terrian's remarkable death uh, in which I also encountered God, that actually I had prized myself on the basis of my achievements, all the things that I did, all the things I was capable of, all of the things that I had capacity for. And I realized, Karen, Karen, that I didn't love her for anything that she had done. She hadn't effectively, by the world standards, done anything. And yet I loved her. I loved her deeply because she was my daughter, because God had given her to me and he had created her in his own image. And during that experience of the privilege of carrying this child to term, I realized in a way that I had never done before that that is exactly how God loves me. He doesn't love me for all the things I do, for my capabilities and achievements, but primarily loves me simply because I belong to him and he has created me. And that gave me this transformative experience of God's unconditional and intensely personal love for me as a human being. And it, it just turned my world upside down. It was like I saw everything in technicolor for the first time. It wasn't that we didn't grieve, Karen. We did. But she gave us this profound gift of, of appreciating, to the, in my bones as it were, what it really means to be a human being, loved by God and made in his image. As so I look back on that period of my life, it was difficult and that did have grief in it as, as one of the most incredible privileges that I have ever had in discovering more about the precious love of God for, for the human person. Sarah Williams is our guest. Nine months with Carrion. Perfectly Human is the book. Uh, I think we'll just let that sink in for a couple minutes. Be a good time for a break. We'll come back and continue our conversation with Sarah here, listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM 560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. 422, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL. Com. Sarah Williams is our guest. She's the author of the book Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrion, spelled C-E-R-I-A-N, part of 
the fun of being pregnant is picking a name. My wife, Christina, is from Brazil. Her parents were Dutch missionaries from the Netherlands. And we have five children God has blessed us with. They all begin with the letter T, as it's turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a name already in mind before finding out about Carrion's diagnosis? Or what was the path to choosing the name for Carrion? You know, we didn't have a name picked out at all. I'd spent the first um, 20 weeks in and out of hospital with horrendous hyperemesis, uh, you know, when you just can't stop being sick. And I was so focused on trying to cope with two children and a job that it was almost as though connecting with this baby was was not a primary priority. And then when we discovered that we were going to lose her, choosing her name became a really important thing that our family did together, especially our older daughter, Hannah, who really entered in with with my husband, Paul, into thinking, well, what kind of name expresses the essence of who this child is? We don't know her by her attributes. We're not going to know her... um, in it, you know, perhaps we'll never know what her personality is like. So how can we capture a name that expresses who she is to us? And so finding this Welsh name, Paul is a Welshman, I'm proud to be a Welshman, uh, which literally means in Welsh, loved one. It's a term of endearment, like you might say, my darling or my beloved or my, my honey or something. Mm. This, this is a term of endearment that just says, we love you. And so naming her Carrion was incredibly important in, um, in, in, in letting her become a loved sister and a loved daughter for us in, in the family. Wow. You mentioned to Sarah about Carrion uh, carrying her to term. And if you can, share, it's in the book a bit, uh, share what that day was like and what happened. It was a very, very powerful time. You you mentioned how God's love really and his peace came into extreme sharp focus in those hours. Mm. It was a miracle, really, because um, I dreaded the the labor, as you can imagine. And in the end, when it came, it was um, horrendous, 22 hours of, 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 of labor. And... In the end, she died just before the onset of the very last stage of labor. And she died of a placental abruption, um, which actually for a baby is a painless way to die, just the cutting off of the oxygen supply. So she just went to sleep, wrapped up in my body, before she had to undergo that last painful journey of labor through the birth canal, which... For her own little skeleton, she had somatophoric dysplasia, which was a deformity of her bone structure. Actually, that last stage of labor would have been incredibly painful for her. It would have crushed her bones. And I look back on that moment as um, a profound, loving, gracious intervention of God the Father, um, just enveloping her in his love. And, and really coming into that labor room, I was so profoundly conscious of his presence like I've never been before, um, to, to take her home and to, um, to, to prevent her from suffering even a moment. And I had no control over that as a mother. I had no control over what would happen through the birth. 
um, but God did. And I, I marvel at that. But, um, I, I marvel at that. It didn't make it any less painful or unpleasant for me. <laughs> the last part when I knew she'd already died was really, really terrible. But I knew that I had done everything I could to um, protect her as a mother and to give her back to God, which is ultimately, I think, what parenting is all about. Yeah. Sarah Williams, our guest, the author of the book Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrie. And um, just a couple more questions for you. One has to do with how just the book itself unfolds, you know, month by month, and, and just to give folks a general idea of how the story uh, is shared. Yeah, it is. It, it does tell the story in a very personal way of those months and weeks. Um, it, it in the end was quite a dramatic story because my own life was actually threatened by the pregnancy, which is something we didn't expect. But what the book does is it tells about the reactions of other people to pregnancy, including many of my colleagues at the University of Oxford. And some of the arguments were put forward in favour of the termination of uh, both cases of fetal abnormality. Um, so what the book does is it also asks um, quite a political question about whether or not prenatal testing is really good for us as a culture. What does it teach us as a culture? How does it affect the way we understand human beings? And how does it affect the way in which we receive or don't receive those who have profound disabilities of one kind or another? And the book ends with an afterword, a kind of epilogue to the book, where um, through a series of remarkable coincidences, I ended up addressing the World Health Organization on issues of, of prenatal testing and the ethics of it. And the book hands out from our own personal story to ask a question about the culture. What kind of culture are we living in? How does our culture define what it means to be human? And have we started to see and understand and treat children like commodities, as if they were commodities that we determine, we design, we choose the timing of? Um, and if so, what is that saying about how we understand the Creator? So, so these bigger theological and, I think, quite political questions are kind of woven into the personal narrative. Um, and really, that's why I wrote the book. Um, I wrote it for those who were in a situ situation like mine, but also um, to, to stand back and say, is this really how we want to treat human beings in our midst? Wow, and I was going to, you, you kind of uh, started to talk about it there already. I was going to ask what life has been like for you since Carrie and went to be with the Lord, which was, how many years has it been? It's been a long while now. She would have been, she'd be 16 and a half if she was alive now. Wow. So, um, I wrote the book initially, soon after she died, and then I wrote the end of it again just recently because mm. I realized that actually some of the themes in the book were even more relevant now in our culture than they were over a decade ago. You still find yourself learning from that season? Obviously, it was a very focused season um, with an end point, but at the same time, the beginning of many other things. 
Yeah, you described it well there. It was the beginning of other things. In the wake of Karen's death, Paul and I asked, had to ask ourselves some really big questions about our lives, why we were doing what we were doing and what we wanted to be doing. And uh, we ended up leaving. I ended up leaving Oxford and going to teach at Regent College in order to focus my energy on helping equip the people of God in our own missional environment in the West in this generation. Um, and Paul left his job as an economist in London and also went to teach at Regent. So Karine could not have been more significant in our lives. She, she changed the way we think about things, but she also actually changed in a really substantive way the choices that we were making and the direction that we've taken in our lives since. Yeah. And you know, Sarah... Uh for what it's worth, uh, my wife, one of our children is uh, severely disabled, and her name is Victoria mm-hmm. Joy, and she has taught us so much. Uh, she is 13. She doesn't say any words. She has some sounds, but she had a lot of things. She almost died a couple times and lost her vision, her hearing, seizures, scoliosis, many problems. And there are a lot of tie-ins, but the one I wanted to just kind of echo your situation and why I'm so glad you could spend some time, you talked about Carrion and her name meaning loved one. My wife was away with our young children when uh, Tori was 10 months old, and another little girl observed our daughter and asked her mom, kind of like, what's wrong with that girl? And my wife overheard the mother say, God sent that child so she could be loved. And when I look, oh, wow. you know, <laughs> when I look wow. at her, I can't tell you. She is the most kissed child. She is the most held child. And just yeah. like you so well stated, just because she is, not because of anything she's done. She's completely dependent. We have to carry her around. We have to change her and feed her. She's got a good brain. Like she, she's able to notice things and respond mostly with her eye gaze. Anyway, I can totally believe the, 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 the appreciation of what you said, just being loved. Your, Carrie Ann was loved by you because she was yours and a gift from God. And then, and then to further ex- extend that to that's how God feels about us and, and to take that as a way of resting rather than striving. That's a beautiful story about your daughter. And I think that the gift... That, that she is, that Karen was to us, is somehow through that love that's drawn out of our hearts, we get to encounter an echo of the incredible and extraordinary love of God. Yeah. I, I, you're not kidding. And you know it. Your whole lives are different. I took a different job. Yeah. Many things happened for us we could never have guessed. All revolved around the, this little girl. So God's God's weaving his stories all over the world, and that's why it's such a privilege to be able to have you on to hear what God's doing in your uh, part of the country, you know, part of the world. So thank you for uh, and for sharing. me to listen to your story too. So thank you. Yeah, Sarah, it's a privilege, and uh, God bless you in your work, and keep, keep yeah, and you, thank you, <laughs> yeah, and your lovely family. God bless. You too. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye-bye. Yeah, and you. Bye. That's uh, Sarah C. Williams. And again, the book is called Perfectly Human, 
Nine Months with Carrion. Daughter spelled C-E-R-I-A-N. Man, what a story. And uh, checking in from the UK, so it's five hours ahead. Glad to have her on the program. You know, the scripture from Psalm 139 comes to mind. If you've ever read Psalm 139, there are a lot of great verses that go with that. Uh, but there are a few, or a few specifically even talking about in the womb, beginning at verse 13. It says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Coming up in a second, a song jumped to mind immediately when I was thinking about having Sarah on, and we're going to play it for you in just a second. A brief pit stop for the forecast here or going down to 34 tonight with clouds and then staying kind of cloudy for the next few days. 46 the high tomorrow, Saturday 44, warming up to 58 on Sunday. Probably get some rain second half of Saturday into the first part of Sunday. Sports, you have the Flyers at Montreal tonight, 7.30. Sixers are home against Miami at 7. Uh, I don't know what your history is in the Christian music world, listening to Christian music. Uh, I grew up on that and the baby in my family. So whether it's Christian music or mainstream, I learned a lot listening to what my brothers and my sister listened to. But then as I got to be kind of in my own as a teenager and growing, I really dug into the Christian music side of things that much more. And there was a band that was out primarily in the 80s and 90s, although I think they still do music now. Uh, The band's called Mad at the World. And their music actually kind of uh, fit the... Uh, 80s and 90s uh, driven alternative bands like Depeche Mode that had kind of a, a moody sound to them, kind of a dancey feel, but also bands like The Cure. Uh, you may know some of those, you know, some folks are familiar with those bands, big, big name bands who also still do music, I believe, uh, nowadays. Anyway, Mad at the World had a song called Fearfully and Wonderfully, and so I want to put it on for you. Um, it's, and I'll just read you a little bit of the lyrics. And it's not about the womb per se, but it's in general, because the truth is what Sarah Williams was sharing with us applies, not just God loves you because you're cute or small or you're a baby or tiny where everybody think, oh, you're so cute. But God loves you because you're made in his image and because you're his. And uh, that's what this song talks about. It says, I know so many beautiful people, truly beautiful people, but they feel like nothing. They don't feel like anything at all. But that's the message on the TV, the movies, and billboards. Hang your head in shame if you don't look like a Ken or Barbie doll. Some say true beauty is not seen with our eyes. Look to the heart where the real beauty lies. Fearfully and wonderfully, you're created perfectly. But we always want to be somebody else other than ourselves. Fearfully and wonderfully, God created you and me. Exactly what he wants to see. But for a certain kind, we hang no welcoming sign. And the older generation has a different contemplation. Look how old that I've become. And somewhere someone told me that was wrong. And the world defines perfection in the health and beauty section of a magazine where colored lights and makeup could make any girl look like a queen. Fearfully and wonderfully, you're created perfectly. But we always want to be somebody else other than ourselves. This is the band Mad at the World, the song Fearfully and Wonderfully. This is the Tim DeMoss Show. It's AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com.
560 WFIL, it's Mad at the World, and fearfully and wonderfully, we'll take a brief break, continue on with the Tim DeMoss Show in just a moment, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 445 AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. I just got a text message from Sarah Williams' uh, publicist, if you will, the uh, person who helped set up our interview with Sarah, the author of Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrion. And I was just saying, you know what? Can we have a, a copy or two of that to give away? And she texted back, there's no problem. We'll get that out to you. So now I can say, if you'd like to win a copy, go ahead and call. I didn't want to say it unless I knew. Usually the publicists are good with it, but I hadn't confirmed that. So if you were listening earlier this hour, 
and you heard the chat with Sarah, which just wrapped up 10 minutes ago. Man, I uh, I really like listening to Sarah. She was very honest and open and sharing, and but really God guided her and, and, and uh, helped her go through this process and continues to work in her. And anyhow, I just, I found to be very, like, I just had to like go slow and digest what she was saying. Uh, so it's called Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrion. If you would like to win a copy of that, give me a quick call, 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. And I'll tell you what, I think we're going to get a couple of copies. So why don't we give one by text and one by phone. If you want to text yourself into that, just type in um, the word Sarah, and that will be enough, and we'll go from there. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and make a winner by phone. Uh, let's see. Who do we have here? Hello. Let's see. There we go. Hello. Who's this? Hi, this is Karen. Karen? Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm good. I'm good to, I mean, good to hear that. Um, did you get a chance to hear Sarah talking with us? I actually did not. I, when I turned it on, you were ending. Yeah. So, no, I did not hear the interview. Can I go back online and hear it? Yeah, it'll be there uh, usually within the hour uh, when the program's over. Joe uh, gets it up on our site for the podcast so you can download it. It's um, it's quite a story, and what, both then and now. So um, uh, very compelling. I, I, I highly recommend it. So. Uh, if you can. Now you yeah. said I can go on the podcast, Tim? Yeah, it's just WFIL.com, and I think it's the, mm-hmm. the third tab. It says podcast. There's a drop-down menu because we have available to folks for, like, the national ministries, the local ones, uh, and this afternoon show is listed there, too. And they're um, for this show, they're in reverse order. So the most, the newest one will be on top. So this will be up there in the next hour or so. All right. Okay, super. Great. Let's put you on hold, and Joe, get your info. We'll get your copy mailed out as soon as we get them from the publicist, which should be in the next few days. All right. Thank you so much, and I just love your show, Tim. I'm so glad you're on. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you yeah, for calling in. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> One day at a time. Yeah, and appreciate your prayers, too. We need them. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yes, sir, definitely. All right, and uh, we'll get that over to Joe there. And, again, if you'd like to text in 610 610- 500 Dove is the number 610 500 3683. If you'd like to win a copy of Perfectly Human, Nine Months with Carrion from Sarah C. Williams. Uh, I shared with Sarah, and I've shared on the air before about our daughter Tori and a lot of her challenges and what God has taught us through her life. And one of the places that, uh, perhaps even the main place that we've gotten a lot of help for uh, our daughter is through a place called the Family Hope Center in Norristown. Matthew Newell, the director, has been on the program a couple of times in studio and actually called in kindly from Denmark last month when we were celebrating Tori's 13th birthday when she became a teenager. And uh, currently he and the staff are in South Africa, literally where the, you know, with the elephants and giraffes, they've, they've taken a couple of pictures of safari. They've managed to, to take a day off, but they are meeting with dozens of families in South Africa. And what they do at the center, and this is another quality of life situation thing, if so to speak, we talked about Sarah's journey and, and carrying her baby to term in her book, Perfectly Human. But Matthew and the staff, they are very interested in teaching parents how to help their children with special needs. And that could be a child who has something very severe uh, could be a child who has a lot of just emotional challenges. Maybe just, you know, there's no diagnosis, just you can tell something's kind of off. And so the best way to describe it might be 
if uh, with ADD, autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, um, bipolar, and, and PDD, NOS, a lot of labels get thrown around. I've, I've lived it with our daughter and our friends that I have. Uh, but what they, what they do is they say, put the labels aside for a minute. We want to teach about the brain, how God designed it, how it grows, in what order. So say, you know, they would say, your brain and my brain and your kids' brains all have the same parts. They grow in the same order, the same way, what brings about what. And it's just a matter of getting a starting point so you understand what's supposed to be happening. And they give you actually a map and teach you this is how it's supposed to go. And so if I found, if rather than just kind of saying, oh, my kid has a problem with this, let me try and fix that, like outside in, they're going under the hood and teaching you how to bring about progress for real. And they do, so they do have tools, but they don't just you know, start throwing tools at you because, oh, your kid does that? Well, let's try this one out. It's, it's much more an education process and uh, what, what's wellness supposed to look like? You know, they say your kid's not a collection of symptoms or a collection of, of problems or diseases or ticks or this or that. Your child's a human being that God gave you, and here's how the brain was designed, and then they help uh, explain to you how that all works. Uh, I have a very short clip here I'll just pray, uh, play for you that I, when Matthew was in with us one of the two times. Here's what he had to say. No, we like to map the brain. The brain runs on a level of hierarchical complexity. You know, God designed it. We just wrote it down, and uh, we have a chart that allows us to measure the medulla oblongata, the pons, the brain stem, the thalamus, the basal ganglia, the cortex, the cerebellum, and the limbic system. Now, these may all be mysterious words to everybody out there, but they're actually different parts of the brain run different functions. And when we map the brain across the visual pathway, the hearing pathway, the tactile pathway, the mobility pathway, the manual pathway, the emotional pathway, and the language pathway, we can come up with a three-dimensional picture of a child's brain that takes the mystery out of where all these symptoms are coming from. And parents, I find when you teach them this in a very straightforward way, they they see the awesomeness of the brain. Whoa, that's what's going on. Oh, now I understand why my child's eyes go crossed. Now I understand why he's hypersensitive when he goes to a party. Oh, now I understand why his feet turn in. Now I understand why he's struggling to get along with his brothers and sisters or he, he can't calm down while he's crying. Why? Now I understand why he struggles to follow a three-step request yeah. or gets confused and forgets things. Oh, he's not being lazy. He's, all kids want to be heroes to their parents. All kids want to be successful. And when they struggle, they're confused too. And when we yeah. see it, the way it is, the labels aren't really telling us anything. They're just taking us away into a symptomatic pathway. Oh, if he has this, let's give him this medication. If we have this, let's manage it this way. If we have this, let's do this. Parents are frustrated and they want to know, how can I step in and be at the head of the table? Not be alone. How can I really understand my child? And that's what we do. We as therapists realize that parents were the central place to be. If we partnered with parents and we showed them, and we coached them, and we taught them that we could do this together, and they don't have to be alone. And that's why we've been able to see kids from 34 different countries and thousands of children make wonderful results because the brain grows, and parents, the love of the parent is evident in the healing process. So that's Matthew Newell, the director of the center. The main entry point for those who'd be interested in finding out is a training conference. They have them three times a year, basically outside of Philly in in the Norristown area. And the next one is March 13 to 15. 
Then they tend to have them, in, I think, in June and roughly October. But at each conference, it's the same thing where they teach you about the brain, how it grows, and then they give you tools. How do you bring about the progress? So uh, anyhow, find out more about them if you want at familyhopecenter.com. I highly recommend them. I can just tell you personally, we've gone there for years with our daughter, Tori. Some people just need to go for you know a, a short time. It just depends. But in any case, it's, it, part of the beauty of it is I've, I've found that it's self-evident as people considered it and listened and, and went through it. They're like, this really makes sense. Like you're actually explaining things to me. We have a short break we need to take, and then we're going to wrap stuff up. Uh, we have, I think we have one more giveaway we need to do too. So have our toll-free number handy. We'll uh, do that shortly for a Duncan or a Wawa card after our little break here. It's AM560 WFIL. Actually, go ahead and call now if you want. 800-560-9345. Gift card from Duncan or Wawa, your choice. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. And again, 800-560-9345 right now if you want to grab one of those gift cards from us. Thanks for listening today. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. 457, let's make it one our low. Uh, hi, I was calling for the Wawa cars. Sure, what's your name? It's Sandy Hamilton. Hey, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, where are you from? Um, Eagleville. Okay, well, we're going to hook you up with that. We'll get your address, mail it out to you, and enjoy. Thanks for listening in. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're having a good day? Thank you, too. Yeah. No, it was a question. Are you having a good day? Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> just making sure. I hope you are. <laughs> I am. I am. Yeah. Hang on I was second. just making dinner, and I thought, oh, let me just call real quick and see if it works. And well, it did. Look at you. Yes. What, the phone works? The phone works. See? No, the contest. Yeah. <laughs> the contest. Yeah. You mean if you could win. Right. All right. Joe, you get her info. I'm glad. See, this people should know. The contests really do work. If we say we're going to give something away, we actually do it. Right, Joe? Don't we? Isn't that the way we... No, you... Hey, put those cards back. All right. Uh, Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.